0: You're listening to the Inner Child Podcast. Hey besties, grab your tiaras and your lip chat because today's conversation is going to be fun as heck. My guest today is someone that I've personally been following for a long time and is one of my favorite comedians, so when Pam, my manager, told me that she's coming on the show, i freaked out in the best way possible. You may know her as the one and only Pinky Patel, mom, comedian, internet personality. She is best known for her hilarious commentary and viral videos, always with a tiara and a tiny mic that have garnered millions of views on TikTok. And just between you and I, there's nobody I know online who embodies the inner child more than Pinky herself. So Pinky was actually on tour when we recorded this. So I was very humbled that she made time to come onto the show. So big shout out to Pinky. Thank you for being here. Obviously, we chat about fun shenanigans like twat waffles and what cancel culture is like as a female comedian. But we also have a heart to heart and chat about things like motherhood, how to deal with toxic friendships, and what it was like for Pinky growing up in America as the child of an immigrant family. So stay tuned for this fun one right after this intro. Hi, I'm Gloria Zhang and after 10 years of struggling in toxic relationships, I attracted the love of my life by healing my inner child. This podcast is your weekly dose of my expertise as a therapist and dating relationship coach for high achievers. Learn tips to overcome low self-worth, emotional baggage, and childhood trauma so that you too can step into your power and attract the love you desire. Welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. All right, we are live on the Inner Child Podcast with Pinky Patel. Hello, my friend, how are you?
1: Hello, how are you guys doing? Staying warm up there, right?
0: Yes, it is chilly. You have no idea. I'm planning on moving to the West Coast for that very reason very soon.
1: I think everybody either wants to move to Florida, Texas, Arizona, or Southern California just for that reason. Exactly.
0: Yes. So Pinky, I thought you were on tour right now. What's happening in your life?
1: I am. I have a weekend off. And so I get a chance to be at home, kind of catch up on family stuff, you know, kind of do some office tasks, if you will. Yeah makes more content and stuff and so between tours that's what I try to do I think you know this year I'm gonna have a little bit more pockets of time where I can just focus on that kind of stuff so that I don't get overwhelmed towards the end of the year because traveling is a lot mm-hmm. everybody's always kind of envious you know grass is always greener on the other side right and then you actually do it and you're like wait a minute it's okay but it's not as you know everybody thinks it's luxurious and all that it's like no, half the time we're going from city to city and we don't even get to see what's in that city that we were in because there's no time, you know? So, but yeah, it's going well. This is the most I've traveled in my 42 odd years of living. And so it's pretty interesting to see all the different places, all the different people. Yeah. Your kids are teens now, aren't they? My older son is 16 and my
0: younger son is 10. Makes it a little bit easier that they don't diapers yeah. anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, we're not worried about diapers. We're not worried about daycare centers and all that stuff. I don't think it matters what age kids are. As long as they still need to be driven from point A to point B and need adult supervision, it doesn't matter the age, right? Like Even yeah, with my so 16-year-old, true. you're still checking up. You're still making sure that he got to school on time. He came home on time. He's doing all these things. And so people are like oh yeah but he's 16 he can take care of himself yeah but we still gotta push him along right he's still dragging his feet fiance- yeah. <laughs> so we gotta light that fire under his butt and get him going <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> anything to get that going I love that pinky pinky I know that you went from corporate job and then went to become a comedian and you've really given us the gift of laughter you guys should see us right now I am fully decked out in my tiara I got Look, my lip balm <laughs> When Pam told me you were coming on her show, I was driving. That was the only reason I wasn't doing a somersault <laughs> it was because I was on the highway. I was so excited to chat with you, Pinky. and you've done something really incredible, not just for women, but women of color, you know, helping us break into the industry. I mean, I love all of our gals who are newer, like Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong. And I love seeing more diversity in the comedy scene. And so I kind of just wanted to ask you, is there a story behind how you found comedy?
1: There's not this like earth shattering story or eye-opening experience or anything like that. We've always been really heavy into stand-up comedy. We've always watched a lot of one-hour specials or listened to them, right, when they used to be on CDs. And I just aged myself, but it is what it is. But we've always been kind of exposed to comedy, always ready to have a good laugh. And so I'm very awkward in social situations. So I try to make jokes a lot just to like break the awkwardness, break the tension, all that good stuff. So you know, not I mean, when your friends tell you you're funny, they're your friends. You know, just like when you ask your friends, how does this dress look or how does this shirt look? They're like, great. You're like, but you lied. You blatantly (laughs) lied. And now I left the house looking like this because you told me that I looked great when I didn't. When your friends tell you you're funny, you kind of take it with a grain of sand, salt, whatever it is, and you just move on, right? You're funny because you make excuses for yourself, right? You're funny because they're my friends. They have to say it. I'm funny because, oh, I was drinking and I don't have any inhibitions when I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. You make excuses. You kind of Gaslight your way out of being like, oh no, I actually am funny. And then the general manager of the Chicago Improv here, Comedy Club, she reached out to me before at the beginning and she was like, I think you should try stand up comedy. And I was like, I mean, I think you're crazy, but sure, let's do this. (laughs) But then, you know, as I started talking to her, I was like, you know, how long have you been in the industry and all these kind of questions. She's been doing this for 16 years. So she's seen a lot of comedians in and out of the comedy club here in Chicago. So she might know what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of took a chance on it and said, what do I got to lose? I don't really have anything to lose. I already had a career back then. I still had my corporate job. And so I still had the career. I wasn't some 18 year old trying to make it big where I had to go through the steps of rising in standup comedy. I know for a fact that i got pretty lucky with this whole kind of journey that i'm on like i said i didn't have to go to nightclubs and do open mic nights and i've created a lot of new friends who do that who that's part of the grind right being a traditional stand-up comedian and i definitely appreciate what they go through on a daily basis i'm glad i don't have to because it's terrifying like if somebody asks me how do you do on stage i'm like i actually have no idea how I get through it, because I get really nervous beforehand, I get really bad jitters, but as soon as I get on stage, it just happens, and then I get off, and people are like, oh, that was a good show, do you remember this part? I'm like, no. (laughs) I was zoned out. (laughs) It goes, and then I remember because I watched it after the fact, because, you know, I'm just seeing what I can make better, what clips we can put on social media, stuff like that, so that's kind of when I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember saying that, like, it starts coming back after a while. I know that I got lucky, like, I will never pretend otherwise, like, luck was definitely on my side. (laughs) I'm not going to be like, no, no, it was all me, it was all me. (laughs) Some of it was me, but it was also, I got extremely lucky with this whole career change.
0: So you didn't start off with those dinghy bars
1: (laughs) at four in the morning? No, and... (laughs) Like, you know, I love going and watching stand-up comedians do their thing, even if it's five minutes, ten minutes, open mic nights. I definitely appreciate it because you don't know. You're walking into a room where you have no idea if people are going to laugh with you or not. But it a chance. And then the fact that you have to keep doing this to actually accumulate an hour's worth of material, right? Like traditionally. Now, if you're bold and if you are okay with trying something differently, You could do those same bits and put them on social media and see if they hit. And so now it's kind of like, I call it gentle comedy versus going on stage and just seeing what hits and what doesn't and working your way through bombing. (laughs) (laughs) Even with my own show, when I go to different areas of the country, some things hit better than others, but I can't like dwell on that. You just have to keep going, right? You can't be like, oh, no, I suck. If that happened at the beginning of my show, I still have 45, 60 minutes left to do, I can't let it derail me, right? So you just got to keep on going.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about social anxiety in just a sec. Did you grow up in the States or in
1: India? No, I grew up in the States. I was born in India. And then when I was three, we moved to Connecticut. So I was there from the time I was three to probably 24. So a good 20 years I was there. And then I got married and moved to Chicago.
0: All right. That's the full story. <laughs> That's the full story. Those are the details I couldn't find when I was looking you up online. <laughs> Even my Nancy Drew skills
1: didn't go that far. <laughs> no one's ever really like I mean I've said it, interviews and stuff. I haven't really kept it a secret, but I think it gets buried. All of those articles and stuff, all those podcasts, it gets buried. And then you hear different snippets and different podcasts or read different snippets and different articles and Whatever they decide to focus on, that's what they write about. And so I'm okay with it.
0: You got to leave a little room for the imagination. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Can't give it all away. No,
1: I'm okay with it. At the end of the day, I'm still a pretty private person. I mean, I make fun of it on stage. I'm like, I don't need to put pictures of my kids on social media. I already know they're cute. I don't need you to <laughs> tell me. Like, you know, It's weird that you want to see pictures of my kids. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that's weird that you're asking me shows their face it's like you should be happy <laughs> i posted something with other yeah. human beings
0: <laughs> yeah no it's good to be private especially as a mom i totally understand yeah and so what was it like for you growing up and you can give us as much detail or as little as you want to remain mysterious
1: Oh, well, i mean it wasn't like any sort of traumatic experiences growing up. It was just the struggle of being first generation raised in America. How do you navigate the two different worlds that you're kind of being forced into? And also, obviously, I'm on social media a lot right now. I see a lot of different groups of people, especially the Gen Zers. They're like, we need to be proud of who we are. And yes, I want you to be proud of who you are, but just know the reason you are comfortable And you feel like you can say this and be proud of who you are, regardless of the hate that's coming your way from other people, other races, other cultures, is because the ones that came before you, i.e. myself and other people, first generation raised, they had to go through all of those struggles. They had to go through assimilating to the beige suburbia that they were raised in because there was no other option. Either you get on the bus or you get off or you get run over by the bus, right? Like they don't care that you have specific holidays coming up. At least they didn't back then. And it's great that people are caring now, but for people like me, I'm like, well, is it too little, a little too late? You know what I mean? Like when you see the White House celebrating Diwali, it's like, oh, now, as if Indian people were not in America this whole entire time, right? I'm happy for the generation that's come after me, the second or third race, right? There were many times where I didn't know how I was supposed to behave. Was I supposed to behave like, All the non-Indian kids I saw in my classroom during the week, or was I supposed to behave how I saw all of the Indian kids on the weekend? It's confusing for a little kid, right? A little kid has more than enough to deal with, but then being a foreign little kid, being basically the person that teaches your parents how things are run in America, when you barely know how to speak English, when you barely know what's going on, right? And so I love the fact that all these kids are proud and they want, you know, it's like, don't make fun of me just because people with brown skin are hairy. It's like, that's great, but there's a reason why stereotypes are the way they are. We need to own those stereotypes. And so a lot of things that I talk about on stage, I'll be like, yeah, you guys want to know how I have such thick eyebrows and such great hair? It's because I have an amazing mustache as well. Like, I can't pick and choose where the hair comes. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I can't love pieces of our culture and not other parts of our culture. And I'm not saying it's all or nothing, but you have to be aware of it. You have to be aware of the good parts of our culture and the bad parts, right? The parts where other people have always made fun of us, but until we take it and we own it, they're gonna keep using that to make fun of us. I make fun of the fact that i say it on stage all the time i'm like i'm the it indian i'm not the cooking indian I don't know how to cook don't come at me with like well, how do you make this chicken curry dish like don't do that i'm not the religious <laughs> indian i'm not the doctor indian like i list all these different hats that we, yeah in, yes right and i'm like yes did i fall into one of those categories because that's how i was raised. like you can either be this this or this to make your parents proud right this was not an option like if i tried to do this back then when I was 18, you know, should I go to college or should I move to Manhattan and become a stand-up comedian? My parents would have disowned me. They would be like, what the hell are you doing? Like they would never have allowed it, right? Because they're too proud. You know, their whole thing is we moved to America so that you can have a better life and you going clubs at night and getting $20 for a 10-minute set is not a good life. They think that's the opposite of why they moved here, right? Mm. So just trying to balance all that, always constantly making sure that, I did everything correctly so that it didn't stress them out because I already saw they were stressed out. And again, not because it was traumatic. Was it unfair? Absolutely. But what am I going to do? I don't have a time machine. I cannot go back into time. I cannot sit here and yell at my mother for all of the things that she did or didn't do because I realize with my adult brain now, that that's not how it should have been, right? The only thing that's in my control at this point is making sure that my two boys grow up to be good Indian men. Break that stereotype of, well, Indian men never help out in the house. Well, they never do this, or they're very this, or they're very that. Like, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't care. You don't have to be these categories, right? Like you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be an engineer. You don't have to be a pharmacist. As long as you're not hurting people, I don't care what you do with your life. Mm -hmm. As long as I'm not supporting you after 18 and you're not hurting people. (laughs) My whole show last year was definitely about kind of introducing myself to the world because I'm well aware that on social media, I don't give personal details. I'm fully aware of that. That's just something that we decided to do as a family that works for other families where the whole family is involved in making content and all that. And that's great for them. They might not think that anything might happen or whatever, but by nature, Indian people are not trusting. Anybody who was raised in America who is not a traditional beige person, I feel like we're not easy to trust. It takes a lot for me to be friends with somebody like at a level where I will ask you questions where I wouldn't ask other people. Or tell you some of my own secrets or my insecurities. Like, it takes a lot for me to do that. I, in my life, have maybe had like three super close friends. There's not one person that I tell everything to. You know, I pick and choose who I tell people things, right? And so the whole show was kind of introducing myself to everybody, kind of telling them how I grew up, stories mixed in with interactions with me and my mom. Do I mimic my mom? Absolutely. Because I think it's funny, I think it's cute. It's not because I hate or I hate the Indian accent, it's because she says words incorrectly, and she tries. But at this point, I don't want to make her feel bad about mispronouncing a word. I'm just going to be like, okay, cool, whatever. It is what it is. It's cute. I never set out to be like, this is how Indian people are. If you want me to represent the first generation American raised Indian people, sure. But like, I'm not going to, unless I understand the struggle that you had, maybe we didn't have the same struggles in the 80s. Maybe it was a little bit easier for you, right? Everybody has had different experiences in the 80s and 90s growing up here. My only hope is when people see me on their screen or when little girls see their mom's laughing and they look over to see what mom is laughing at on their phones and it's another Indian woman, regardless of what accent I'm using, I'm still Indian at the end of the day, regardless if I'm wearing Indian clothes or not, regardless if I have Indian jewelry on or not or I'm being beard, I'm still Indian at the end of the day. And I want them to be like, oh my God, she looks just like me. She looks like my mom. I could do this, you know, like, get on the internet, go make silly videos. As long as you're not hurting anybody, (laughs) do what you want to do because why not? Why is there not equal opportunity in every job that we try to get, right? Like Indian writers shouldn't be paid less than other writers. I just don't get it. So true.
0: I resonate with you so much. My parents came here for the same reasons, right? And I find that all Asian parents, whether they're East Asian or South Asian, are all kind of the same (laughs) with the expectations and even the trust factor. So, I mean, I totally, totally get it. That's crazy. But, you know, something I've noticed as someone who's also an Asian woman in some kind of scene, you don't get to decide that you're a person of color, but once you're in that position... I feel that now suddenly everyone who's Asian almost wants you to represent them, right? And then you kind of get into the good Asian versus the bad Asian thing. And there are days where I just don't want to represent anything at all. I just want to be myself. I've spoken to other people who felt that way too. So how has that come up in your career as an Indian woman?
1: I think so. What surprises a lot of the general managers of the clubs that I've performed at so far is the fact that my audience, like the people who buy the tickets and who sit in the audience and who listen to me talk on stage for 75 minutes, there's hardly any Indian people in the audience because- Oh yeah? No, and it goes back to, well, they don't trust easily, right? And so they're like, why should we spend money on a ticket that's $35 when I don't know if she's funny? But if I go like, no, and this is honest. This is honest to God. This is the only thing I can come up with. That they're just being petty bitches. Those are the two things, right? (laughs) They're being twat
0: waffles, do you mean? Yeah, they're being twat waffles, right? And I don't want to go
1: that route, right? Because that's the negativity coming out, right? And the thing is, if I go and I say, oh, you should go see so-and-so. If I was in my audience, it's like, oh my God, you should go see Pinky. She's hilarious. She talked about just growing up in America, first generation, our struggles, whatever. Those Indian girls, those Indian people, they're the ones that are in my audiences and they're the ones telling their friends. And now they're friends this year. I see more and more Indian people coming out. And so it is what it is. I don't get to choose who I represent, like you said, right? Being Indian, it's just like, oh, well, you should do better people who are mad at Mindy Kaling, right? Or mad at Lily Singh. And it's just like, no, like why aren't you mad at Russell Peters then? If you're mad at Lily Singh, right. be mad at Russell Peters. If you're mad at Mindy Kaling, be mad at Russell Peters. You can't pick and choose who you're mad at just because you happen to hear some audio from freaking 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Lily Singh Singh. just decided to make videos because she was bored and she liked making content. And so she became a YouTube sensation. Right. Mindy Kaling did it the way that traditional writers and stand up comedians do. And you have to kind of understand how they grew up and just be like, well, are they doing the same shit now? Lily Singh is just imitating her mom. She's imitating her parents. She's imitating what she knows. And you can't hate her for that. That's what she knows, right? Just like when I tell stories of interactions with me and my mom, that's why I say all I represent is myself and maybe my mom to a certain extent in the relationship that we had, right? And so I don't get to pick who wants me to be their spokesperson or whose battle they want me to fight. I just kind of Tell my stories, and I hope I get more supporters. Like, I don't have any control over who follows me and who doesn't, who purchases tickets and who doesn't. In my brain, maybe you should. Like, everybody's on social media now. Maybe you should support a fellow South Asian stand up comedian who's a woman having her pouring across America. Like, are there any other South Asian female stand up comedians doing this? No. So maybe you should support them. Even if you haven't, it's not hard to find content. All right. I have content on every single platform. You know what I mean? Like, if you're worried, oh, what if I don't like her? I don't want to spend $35. Well, go watch three videos of mine and see if you like me or not. You have the world at your fingertips in your in this little box, so look it up. But I don't get to control any of that. And so my motto recently in life has been just stress out about the things I can control. And what I can't, it's in whoever's hands, whether you believe in God, the universe, yeah. Karma, whatever Roll it is. Shoulders. <laughs> I can't because if I worry about the things that are not in my control, there's nothing I can do to change them, right? I can't force people in a city to buy tickets. What am I going to do? Stand out on the street corner and get handout tickets? like, I'm, I'm <laughs> not going to do that. Like, no. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? If you're listening, guys, I will pay someone $35 to go see Pinky's show. <laughs> it's on me. <laughs> Don't worry, Pinky will help you. I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Just like with any musical artist and a comedian, anybody who's a performer, and entertainer, you just kind of you do what you need to do, what you like to do, what you're good at doing. And hopefully all of those things come together and you give the best performance of your life because these people might never come see you again. And so if you don't give the best performance of your life, then you're kind of shortchanging them. And that's not cool either, you know? So,
0: (laughs) I love everything that you've said, Pinky, with just being your own person. You know, when we were talking about guests for the season, Every time I see your videos, I just see like the embodiment of your inner child and all of your stuff, like the way that you bring humor to even the small things in life. How do you relate to your inner child and how do you bring that
1: into your work? I think my inner child is finally comfortable coming out. You know, I have adult money to do adult things. (laughs) Even if wearing crowns is silly, it's not hurting you it's not hurting anybody. (laughs) Like, I'm not wearing a crown to piss you off. I'm wearing it because it makes me feel pretty. And I've been given crowns. So why not do it? Right? Like, again, you kind of just the whole mentality of just do what feels right. Don't worry about other people anymore, because I had to do that when I was a child. I had to worry about other people's opinions. I had Mm -hmm. to worry about managing all of these expectations that we know some were vocalized and some weren't. Some of were just like, well, you should have known that this is what you were supposed to do. It's like, I don't like the word should, and I don't like the word supposed to. Those two things, you're basically setting me up for disaster. You're setting me up to fail. And how can I thrive and be successful if I don't even know what is expected of me? It's like going and having a corporate nine to five desk job and you have a yearly review and they're like, well, this is where you need improvement. It's like, you had 12 fucking months to tell me I needed to work on this. <laughs> you waited now? I could have been working on this this whole time. You know what I'm saying? Don't come at me now and be like, well, you don't get your 2% raise because you didn't do this. You didn't tell me I had to change. (laughs) Maybe if you had communicated that earlier, I would have been able to get this 2% paltry raise that you're giving me. Like (laughs) I'm killing myself to make you money. Like I deserve some of that money when you didn't even tell me what expectations you had of me. That's the biggest thing is like the fact that If I don't know what the expectations are, I'm just like, I don't have time for you. You clearly don't respect me enough to tell me what you expect from me. And so I'm not going to do that, right? Like, I don't have to worry about managing expectations anymore. I only have to manage like a couple people's expectations. Those are the ones that live in my house. That's all that matters to me now. People that live in my house. Whether it be four people, four things breathing air, or it's six things breathing air. (laughs) That's all I care about.
0: How did you get to the point of developing that don't give a shit attitude? Did it come with motherhood? Did it just come with experience?
1: With experience and with age. Right when the pandemic hit in 2020 is when I turned 40. And up until that moment, kind of like after I turned 35, things slowly started to roll off me a lot easier. Like I wasn't as high strung. And I don't know if it's because I was on antidepressants and I got off of them. It must have been a combination of things. But I realized by the time I turned 40, the pandemic hit, and I was like, all this other stuff is not worth it. It's not worth it. It's stressing me out. And you know what? If I died because I had a heart attack because work was stressing me out.
0: <laughs> Let's hope not.
1: <laughs> work is not gonna care. My husband will care. My husband will be like, what do I do now? I got two kids that I have to raise by myself. My husband can't go out and find a wife in two weeks and a mother, right? A job can replace me in two weeks. They put an ad or, you know, they go on LinkedIn. They say, hey, we have a position opening. Here you go. Let's get resumes. Let's, you know, they got recruiters, all that shit. What is my husband going to do, right? And, you know, the pandemic, it helped to force everybody to pause a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because you weren't running around doing your daily, like just mindlessly going from task to task to task to task. You weren't doing that anymore. It forced you to pump the brakes on your life. Sit down at home with however many roommates you had and hope that, hey, you didn't kill each other because this was the first time in anybody's life that you were forced to be together 24-7. Like none of us, none of us have ever spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a minimum of three to four weeks with anybody living in our house. We haven't. And you can't count pregnancy because the baby's not talking to you. The baby is growing. (laughs) you don't need to hyper change them you don't need to feed them you don't need to nap there's no schedules you have to keep pregnancy doesn't count right and so it forced me to just relax and be like is this really important no is this person helping me financially no is this person helping me mentally no honestly in 2020 when the pandemic hit I went into my Facebook and I unfriended so many people. Everybody did. In 2020, I was not on Instagram or anything else. I was just on Facebook. And I was just like, you know what? Who hasn't liked or viewed or whatever, any of my posts, right? Was I posting a lot? No, but I was posting once a day, like a random thought of the day, just being stupid. And so I was like, you didn't unfriend, unfriend, unfriend. <laughs> like, I just, Yeah. why am I keeping taps on these people? That I have not talked to, I have not even laid eyes on in person since I was in high school. Who the hell cares about her? She (laughs) didn't care about me in high school. Mm -hmm. She probably cares about me now. But Mm -hmm. you get what I was like back then in 2020. Mm -hmm. She didn't care about me enough to like pictures or posts of my kids or think that my random thoughts of the day were funny. So I was like unfriend. I got rid of so many people that didn't matter in my life, right? Like if you made an attempt to get to know me or to keep in touch, and recently, I've been told I'm a dad friend, mm-hmm. is what I was told. A dad is, I'm friend? I'm that term. No, no, I'll explain yeah. it to you. So this is how it was explained to me. I'm not the friend that you need to constantly call every day. You don't need to say hi every day. You don't need to check up on me. You don't need to do that. Because even if you don't talk to me for a year, two years, if you still have my cell phone number, that means that we were close at one point and life just got away from us because we're all busy doing our own things. But if you call me and time has passed and you're like, Hey Pinky, I need help with this. I'll be like, okay, how can I help you? Like, I will be there for you when you Mm (laughs) need. Oh, I got it now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Whether it be mentally, like if I can be there physically, I will be. But if it's mentally, then it's mentally. But I will be there for you for whatever you need, whenever you need it, however you need it, if it's in my capability to give, right? Like I said, I don't need you to, hey, good morning, how's it going? It's the same as yesterday, man. (laughs) Nothing's changed, you know? Right, yeah. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like we put all of these like, well, if they don't text you first, then are they really your friend? No, maybe they're just busy. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they have a lot going on in their life right now. They A, don't want to put it on social media so you don't know what's going on and B, even when you text them, they might take a couple of days to get back to you because guess what? We're all busy. We're all doing our own stuff. We all have our own lives and you don't know anybody's story 100%. So it's like that whole mentality of, well, if they don't text you first or they don't text, how's it going? Do they really care about you? What does that even mean? (laughs) You're telling me, you have time to sit there and go through your contacts of probably hundreds of people on your phone and then check mark, do they text me today? No. Okay, I'm gonna delete that. Right. Like, are you deleting contacts? <laughs> <your phone>? Like, <laughs> if it bothers you that much that so and so didn't text you good morning, or you haven't talked to somebody in so many months,
0: not a fucking tax audit,
1: <laughs> not the yeah, fucking like, IRS. <laughs> yeah. Are you deleting their phone number? Are you deleting their contacts? Right. No. So that's on you now. Now you're choosing to get upset because somebody that you thought was a friend didn't text you. some friendships. They just naturally fizzle out and it's okay because there's distance, there's whatever. Like I have this one friend back home. She's really the only friend in the 18 years that I've been going back and forth. I go back home every July 4th and I text her or she'll text me in June. She'll be like, are you guys coming July 4th weekend? I'll be like, yeah. And then we get together for one meal. So at least I can see her versus pictures, right? But it's never awkward. There's never any like resentment. There's always just... Us catch it like, oh, my kids did this. How are your girls?
0: That's a good adult friendship because you have that unspoken understanding, right? Yeah. That this is like a once in a year type
1: of friendship. Yeah, but I mean, I'm hoping that she knows that if she did need me, even if it was just a vent about kids or whatever, that she could call me. Like, I'm never gonna not accept anybody's phone call or anybody's text message. i like, okay, what am I doing? Am I giving advice or am I listening? Tell me what you expect me to do, and I will tell it, right? <laughs> Press A or B. (laughs) A to listen, B to yeah. A to listen, B to problem solve. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of people don't need you to problem solve. A lot of people just want you to listen to why they're frustrated. And a lot of people, they're not good at that. They're not good at listening and just being there, right? And a lot of people need to still learn that. I know that was a long-winded answer, but it kind of (laughs) happened.
0: That's all right. Yeah, but that's some really solid advice. I think people, especially who listen to this show, it's not just the romantic relationships, but a lot of people struggle with adult relationships, right? It's not the same as being in school where you can just chat up the person next to you, but it's hard to meet people. But it's also hard to figure out those unspoken rules, right? Like how often do you talk to someone? How often do you bug them? Have you ever had a situation where you had like a toxic friendship, where things didn't work out in that aspect?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I could say I got to the ripe old age of 43 without having any of those relationships, right? You're always... (laughs) Because like you said, when you try to make friends as an adult, especially when you move somewhere new, which is what I did, right? I moved from Connecticut to Chicago. I didn't bring my friends with me. So I had to make new friends. Right. And so how do you make new friends as an adult? Well, you see, if you like the people that you work with enough to have dinner with them outside of work, right, doesn't always work out. That's like 10 percent of the people end up with work wives where they actually resonate with their coworkers. Right. But then once you have kids now, it's like, okay, well, are you doing PTA events? Are there other moms that you see your kids like playing with their kids? And now you look at the moms and you're like, "Mm, yeah, let's try this. But then you're like, after a while, you're like, "Mm, I didn't like that. Or (laughs) the kid goes to play with another kid and you're just like, I don't like that kid. We're not playing with them. Let's go. Like if the kid is like this, the parent, I don't want to do that. Right. But the thing is, when you try these different relationships, you have to level set like you said, you have to figure out how are we going to navigate this new friendship, this new relationship? I'm so awkward that I will have diarrhea of the mouth and be like, I don't, you know what? Like, are we are we at that level where we're doing this? Like, are we at the level where we're hugging? Are we not hugging? What are we doing? Let's just figure this out. I know it's weird, but I would rather talk about it. And like, when we see each other at dinner, I don't want you to come in for a hug. And I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, that's something simple. But When a friendship, a relationship does end up being toxic or it ends up not working out, we're adults at the end of the day. This is not elementary school. This is not middle school. This is not high school. You need to put your big girl panties on and just be like, okay, it didn't work. And you just move on. There are eight billion people on this floating rock. And you mean to tell me you're trying to be friends with every single one of them? That's a lot of friendships to maintain. (laughs) I can't do that. I can barely do seven. You know, but so you have to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And also if your kid comes up to you and says, Oh, Billy, You didn't want to play with me anymore on the playground. Okay. Well, did something happen? Did you guys have a fight? Like, you know, you go through those things. You do what you would tell your kid to do. Go kind of reenact all of the interactions you had. And at the end of the day, if you can honestly say you didn't do anything to hurt their feelings, they're just that type of person where their personality and your personality just doesn't mesh you don't have to be friends with all 18 kids in the class. Like you don't have to do that.
0: Yeah, it is totally okay. Pinky, I've got a couple of pinky explaining questions for you. Sure. Is that all right? Okay. <laughs> the first question is when is the appropriate time to call someone a twat waffle?
1: Um, usually when they're being done. <laughs> so douche canoe, twat waffle, you know, douche waffle, twat canoe, either way. <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, however you want to combine the two. It's just when people are just doing dumb shit. If their mom sat them down and was like, is this how you want to live your life? Is this what you want everybody to see? The whole world is looking at this video. You posted it. Is this how you want to be portrayed in life? And the answer to that is yes, that's a twa Like They are fully aware they are doing dumb shit. They're not thinking twice. They don't care that they're hurting people's feelings. They think they're better than you. It's like, no, no one's better than anybody. But some people have better opportunities, better advantages, more luck. It is what it is. But no one's better than anybody. Once you start thinking that you're better than me, then you're a tall waffle.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's the official answer, guys. (laughs) In case there was any confusion on the subject. (laughs) Uh, Second one, is there a favorite Netflix show that you're binging right now? Or Hulu or Amazon Prime?
1: (laughs) I download a lot of stuff to watch on any sort of streaming service just because of airplanes, hotels, all that stuff. So right now I'm in the middle of watching, it's a take on Romeo and Juliet. It's called First Kill. It's about a vampire family and then a hunter family and, you know, when two houses oh, divided. so
0: romantic. It. Oh, romantic. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I love reading supernatural stuff like vampires, werewolves, all that stuff. Because I don't like listening to news because it's depressing. I'm already <laughs> living a real life. I don't need to hear how much more depressing it could get if I lived in another part <laughs> of the world. I agree. They rarely have any good news to report. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this. It pisses me off. and I can't do anything about it right? Like if I hear another mass shooter shooting up some sort of school, I can't do anything. All it's doing is pissing me off. So I'm like, no. Same with nonfiction books. I steer clear away from that kind of stuff because I'm like, I already have a life. (laughs) Why don't you tell me how much more miserable it can be? (laughs) (laughs)
0: And that's the secret to a happy life right there. (laughs) Stop watching the news. I don't really watch the news that much myself. I figure if it's really important, someone will tell me in person, right? Like if it's not yes. worthy enough for someone to come to me and tell me about it, it's not something I need to know
1: right now. I'm totally with you on there. Right. If it's not worthy enough to get onto social media, it's not important enough. Yeah, Okay. exactly. <laughs> so true.
0: And last thing, how would you Pinky explain the inner child? What is the inner child?
1: The inner child is just you finally being who you actually want to be because you have either the adult money to be the person you want to be, regardless of what hobbies you have or whatever it is, or you're just mentally at that stage where you just don't give a flying fuck about what people are saying. And so your inner child is flying free. They're just living life. Nothing's really bothering them to the point of outside of like normal adult things, but I think when people are more in tune with their inner self and their inner child, they're a little bit more playful, they're a little bit more easy to be around because it's not all about serious things all the time, because that can get exhausting, right?
0: And if you're struggling with that, just put on a tiara. makes everything better.
1: <laughs> it does. I mean, who doesn't like wearing a crown and cleaning the bathroom? Who doesn't like doing that? Right. <laughs> so make sure it's secure. You sell
0: your own, by the way?
1: No, I'm not advanced yet. I don't even know how I would go about doing that. <laughs> we, there's a lot of things yeah. that we figure out along the way. Like We try not to take on too much at one time just because we're not a powerhouse. I don't have a momager. I don't have Chris Jenner, so it's not going to work. <laughs>
0: hey, she might be picking up some new clients soon. You never know. I don't know. I
1: can't. I don't think I can do that. That's too much pressure.
0: Yeah. Right on. Well, Pinky, this was such a blast. I mean, we got to talk about toxic relationships. We got to talk about growing up between two worlds. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your magic with us. Where can folks find you other than your TikTok?
1: One-stop-shop is pinky-patel.com. They can find me there. My tour schedule's there. All of my handles are there. I mean, it's pretty easy. It's the same name everywhere. So I kept it pretty easy. But yeah, pinky-patel.com. Right on.
0: Did someone take the domain that doesn't have the dash in it?
1: Yeah. I think it's like some dentist somewhere. And I was just like, I'm not (laughs) not quite here for this. It's Fine. Yeah. We didn't want, like, too many variations. We didn't want, like, too many symbols and all this other stuff. You have to stay away from periods because it messes with the whole website. Right.
0: We'll get it back for you someday, Pinky. I swear on it. (laughs) I'm okay with the dash.
1: I think I can handle it. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, this was such a blast, and I know that I've taken some notes here. Folks are going to get so much value out of this episode.
1: So thank you again, Pinky. Thank you, Gloria. It was great talking with you.
0: It was fun. Thank you. Is your trauma robbing you of the extraordinary relationship you could be having? Bestie, tell me if this sounds like you. Maybe you wind up in situationships where you don't feel loved, seen, or respected and you let people walk all over you. Or maybe you feel so triggered with the fear of getting hurt that you end up pushing the other person away and sabotage your relationships. Or maybe you stay up all night in bed wondering why do I struggle so much with the bare basics in love while my friends are out there having amazing relationships without breaking a sweat. I love, it's not your fault. You are not broken. You just have inner child wounds. If anyone understands, it's probably me. 200 first dates later and a dozen bad relationships, I finally cracked the code on what it really takes to go from being insecurely attached to attracting and maintaining a thriving, passionate, and secure relationship. So if you want to succeed in love, I've put together a free 60-minute workshop that gives you my three-step formula to breaking toxic patterns for good. Just go to GetHealthyLove.com, that's G-E-T-HealthyLove.com. In this workshop, you'll learn how to never sabotage a relationship again, even if you have anxiety and you'll learn how to get the secure relationship you want with the person who wants to commit to you. So if you're falling into the same patterns over and over, then you need to be at this workshop. To get instant access, go to gethealthylove.com. That's G-E-T healthylove.com. Or click on the link in the show notes. Life is hard enough, besties. Love doesn't have to be. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. It really helps me a lot, so thank you. To join the community and get your daily dose of inner child tips, follow me on Instagram and social media at ByGloriaZang or visit ByGloriaZang.com. If you're a high achiever or entrepreneur who wants to work with me, message me the words high achiever and I'll get in touch. Thanks, bestie. See you in the next one.